This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here again tonight, I'm going to talk about something near and dear to my heart, or at least something that's been on my plate the last couple weeks, and that is an extension of a previous discussion on zoning issues. I've covered in some previous episodes uh, grandfathered status and sometimes how you have to fight cities on that. Grandfathered status as a a refresher is basically legal non-conforming zoning status, which basically means at the time the park was built or the time some form of enhancement was made, the, the action was legal. You know, meaning, you know, there was you were allowed to have no curbs, gutter, sidewalks, stormwater detention. You were allowed to have homes ten feet apart, things like that. Or there was no code, or you predate the code, or you predate the city. I'm working on a couple of cases right now where the park actually predates the city. So clearly, we existed before the city code. So we are, in some respects, immune or exempt from the city regulations. That's what grandfathering essentially means. Now. It's not without some restriction, right? I mean, you could certainly abandon your use. That would be one uh, way to neuter your your status of being grandfathered. Another would be to be deemed a nuisance, which would typically mean the city would you know pass some sort of ordinance. Typically, they'd give you some sort of hearing or opportunity to cure your you know quote nuisance status. Another way to lose your grandfather status be voluntarily. And I'll cover some of that today, like, for example, voluntarily rezoning the property. Uh, Those are probably the the big three ways. And then another legitimate restriction that government can place on your property and on your property rights would be, you know, to protect the public wealth, health, safety, welfare, which, which basically in mobile home park world means the fire code. Right. I was looking at a park the other day in Iowa and... The homes, you could literally walk from rooftop to rooftop in this park. They were so dense. They, they backed up. You, they, there wasn't six inches between them. So it would have been a great park to buy. It's in a great location in the Des Moines market, except it's clear that those are not going to pass fire codes. So they're grandfathered in, which means the, the city of Des Moines cannot force you to take those homes down. But what it means is if one home burns down, if one home burns down, they'll probably all burn down because they're so close. But if one home burns down or moves out or just falls into such disrepair that it's worth demolishing, it's it's, it's infeasible to bring a new home into that park because they're going to have internal setbacks. And the new internal setbacks, despite not previously applying because of the grandfathered status, they're going to apply now because it, it's clear that there's a public safety uh, issue or concern with having homes six inches apart. Most states have a 10 to 15 foot fire code. Uh, I wouldn't recommend putting homes any closer than that. But that's what I'm going to use kind of my, my example here today because that's one I've, I've dealt with on a couple cases lately is internal setbacks. There's also perimeter setbacks. There's often zoning restrictions on the age of homes that can be brought in, the size of homes that can be brought in. Can you bring homes in at all, etc. And a lot of those uh, city regulations and code provisions are unconstitutional because they don't 
uh, have a rational basis to restrict um, restrict your property rights or limit your property rights. So you might have a claim for a taking or a partial taking, which depending on how you you shake that up, it could be discriminatory and could potentially even lead to legal fees under the Civil Rights Act. That's more rare, um, but it, but I've seen it happen. Um, so anyway, if you fun, run into a zoning problem like that, you, you really have only a few options, and I'm going to cover that today. I'm going to cover that, you know, I'll probably break this up here. I'm, I'm kind of spitballing this, but as I'll, I'll probably break this up into numerous episodes depending how long we go. But I've been diving into some old case law, uh, which is frankly kind of boring, but it's important. Uh, my old boss, Mike White, was a, kind of a zoning real estate titan. He still is. He's still living and practicing. But he's got, he wrote the book, Missouri Land Use Law and Missouri Economic Development Law. And when I practiced with him, I helped him edit that book. And it was kind of the, uh, I certainly couldn't have written it like he did, but I was at least in the middle of it to some degree. So I pulled it out the other day. It's like 3,000 pages. It's a treatise. It's, it's, a, it's a beast of a document. Uh, I can't even be bound. It's so big. It's like I had to hole punch it. I got it in two four-inch binders. But anyway, it's filled with gold. And, and there's lots of information on zoning. So when faced with a dilemma like this, and I've had a couple parks we've looked at recently that have had dilemmas like this, I want to look at the case law, and I want to see what my rights are. And in general, I say, if I'm, if I'm legal conforming, it's pretty easy, right? You're zoned legally. That would happen on, like, new construction or on something that's been either master zoned by the city or, per, or individually zoned by a property owner, you know, previous to me. That would be legal conforming, and then the you know the second option is legal non-conforming, i.e. grandfather. That's the one that gets most of the attention, and for good reason. And then the third option is there's illegal, meaning not legal, never legal, never permitted, and you shouldn't really mess with those. Um, this is pretty risky. So back to the grandfather status. If a city's fighting me, you know, for example, on this deal in Des Moines where the homes are six inches apart, I, I really have three main options. I can rezone the property. And typically you can rezone the property into two different types of rezoning, which I'll get into. So we'll cover rezoning first. Next, you can get a conditional use permit or like a special use permit. And then third is a variance. A variance is kind of like a special exception. So on this first episode here, we're going to dive into rezoning. And it's pretty obvious what it is. It's it's changing the zoning, changing the use. From for example, from commercial to residential or to industrial. Uh, every city has uh, little acronyms or abbreviations for the different levels and types of zoning. It, really, they call it intensity. So, for example, R one, R two, R three, R four. Well, that's typically R one is like single family, you know, and R two single and double, you know, and so on and so on until you get into you know high-density residential. Uh, typically, your commercial districts are zoned to C or B for business. Industrial or industrial-slash-manufacturing are have an I or an M classification. It's typically easier to downzone. So, for example, if you... I looked at a property the other day. I don't even remember which, which city it was in. Actually, it was in it was in Kansas City, actually. But it had, it had a couple different zonings on this multi-parcel property. And one of the zoning classifications was M1 which in Kansas City, M is a manufacturing industrial classification. 
that's a more intensive use. I mean, frankly, nobody wants to live next door to like a sheet metal plant or a concrete plant. So it'd be easier to downzone. That might be an opportunity to actually downzone into mobile home parks. People that call me all the time, hey, can you help us develop mobile home parks? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, but it's really hard to do. It's going to be city by city specific as to whether you can get the zoning. And if it's a new park, you don't have any grandfather rights. It's new. So you got to come hat in hand a little bit. But downzoning um, is one way to possibly get there. You can also rezone to something that's called PUD, like plan unit development. Some cities call it mixed use, master plan development, plan development. But essentially what it means is you jointly with the city, you get permissions to create your own zoning district. So I could, for, for example, I could, in theory, get a, create a, a PUD district that says I can stack 10 mobile homes on top of each other. Now, that would probably break some other law. I, I, I could get a PUD district that says I can put 100 mobile homes, you know, six feet, six inches apart in an in a end-to-end line, two feet from the roadway. Now, realistically, I'm not going to get that approved. But what it does, the benefit of PUD is it allows you to basically uh, negotiate which provisions in the current code are going to apply. This is most commonly used for mixed-use development because, you know, zoning in general is designed to, you know, protect properties from essentially negative consequences of, of neighboring properties. So, for example, I live in a single-family neighborhood. I would not like it if a gas station moved to next door. I would not like it if a sky rise moved to next door. I would not like it if an asphalt plant moved to next door. So my neighborhood has a kind of uniform zoning. Everybody's single-family residential. So typically you, you go in, in chunks of intensity. You'll have single-family. You may have a buffer of like a school or a church or a park. Or typically maybe that's where you get into duplex or townhomes. And then eventually you get into apartments. And then you get more like your urban core where you've got more office-type buildings um, so a mixed-use project, for example, um, I used to work on some streetcar projects. Well, they'd have transportation nodes as part of this, and they'd have ground floor retail. Maybe they have a coffee shop. Maybe they have a bookstore. Maybe they'd have a grocery store, dry cleaners. And on top, they'd have residential or condo residential or office. Well, some of those have been the same real estate parcel. just be vertical. And that doesn't fit in the regular zoning classification, so they needed a mixed-use classification, okay? But overall, the purpose of zoning is to regulate land use. And, and in theory, you know, you know, our, the, the government that we all love so much, their, their purpose, and I, and I worked for the government for five years, so I'm not knocking government just to knock government. But on, on zoning issues, it's, it's typically the government that's, uh, that's grinding your gears, if you will. The purpose is to serve the health, safety, and general welfare of the public. And they do that by having districts. And... Macro level, most cities have. I think they're probably required to have. I don't know enough about it, frankly. But they're most they have they have a master plan, which they call sometimes a master plan or a comprehensive plan. And this is basically a guiding document. And it's it's also meant for um, long long term or long range planning. Like you know, for example, where I sit in my house right now, it's in a single family neighborhood. And to the north of me, a couple miles, there's there's farm ground. Like, like, say a mile away, I guess. So that farm ground, I haven't looked at it, but I'd, I would wager that the master plan contemplates that being more single-family residential. And likely, low-density, large-lot, uh, suburban-style single-family housing. So if I wanted to go build, now it's currently zoned agricultural because there's a you know, cornfield on it. So if I wanted to 
build single-family residential, I'm, I'm off to a good start because the comprehensive plan anticipates it. So then when I go to rezone, it's reasonable. It's In fact, it's, it's called for. And if the city did not grant me my zoning, uh, my rezone, I could argue it's an unreasonable right to rezone my property. So that's so. If you do want to rezone to say MHP, an easier step, you know, or I mean, not easier to get it done in the first front, but a more appropriate step would be to change the comprehensive plan to have mobile home park uh, desired housing. Uh, now, a, a comprehensive plan, a master plan, is a guiding document. It's not binding, so it's okay uh, to not have that. But typically, when you want to rezone. You, you got to go through an application process to city. Generally, they make you have meetings. With, there's a, there's an application fee. They make you meet with neighborhoods and have some sort of, uh, not necessarily a public hearing, but at least a neighborhood meeting. And then typically you'll meet with city staff. You put together your, your site plans or whatever documents they require. Sometimes you need engineered site plans and surveys and all that kind of stuff. And then typically rezoning goes to the city plan commission. Sometimes it depends on the city. Sometimes I'll go to the city plan commission, then the city council, or just the city council. And typically the council is an elected body. Sometimes there's a mayor. If there's a mayor, there would be a strong, typically there's a mayor, but you know, some counties just have commissioners or something. And you can have a strong mayor, form of government, or a strong manager, form of government. And that really just dictates who's in charge, um, who runs the city. A city plan commission is typically a volunteer board of citizens appointed by the mayor of the city council and you go through that process and you gotta get their approvals and the risk of a rezoning a couple risks from an mhp perspective is one is nimbyism nimby is an acronym for not in my backyard rarely do you find a lot of neighbors show up in support of the new trailer park in town right so you got to deal with that and um that opposition makes it harder and, you know, sometimes the city will listen to the mob, if you will, and they'll just come out there just with pitchforks, man. It's crazy. And and they'll, they'll refuse to give you your zoning. And that could, that could be a regulatory taking, frankly, you know, that, that are taking part of your property, taking some of your rights, and, and you know, not giving, you any, not giving you what you need. So another thing they do, sometimes it's called spot zoning, and this is basically when there's a, you know, if my house, if I get permission to rezone to a gas station in my single-family neighborhood, it doesn't make much sense. And if that is in contravention of the comprehensive plan, it's probably spot zoning. You're not, they're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to have uniformity, right? And uh, rezoning, a concern here for MHP is you got to make sure you know the specific code because there, there could be a gotcha. Sometimes the city may say, oh, just rezone. Just rezone to MHP. And file an application, and it's depending on the city code. There could be an argument made that by by applying, you are forfeiting your existing grandfather status. So that that could be bad. So look at it on a case by case basis. I don't think that's the you know standard rule, but I've heard of some nightmare stories where people did that. Um, I actually just had a client that he didn't he didn't rezone the property, but his predecessor did. So he voluntarily give up his grandfather status, but it's because the city convinced him to rezone to MHP. So it was great, right? He now has a legal conforming land use. Well, the problem with that is he wanted to be grandfathered in from the setback requirements. So the setbacks are in the old code were five feet. The homes are five feet. He must replace the homes. 
under the old code, he could argue, look, I'm grandfathered. The new code does not apply to me, including setbacks, unless they're fire code related. And if it's five feet from the perimeter and there's no other structure than the perimeter, then the, then the next guy has to you know abide by the fire code. So he'd be able to put these homes within five feet of the property line. Well, because his predecessor voluntarily rezoned to MHP zoning district, he's not grandfathered. He's legal conforming. And it's and it's actually has a negative impact on him because the setbacks on the legal conforming MHP zoning classification are like 25 feet. So it actually worked backwards. So you got to be careful if you want to rezone. I generally don't recommend it. I'm, I'm in the process of uh, not say fighting, but yeah, frankly, I'm fighting a city here in Missouri, and they want the city's planning people want me to go to, you know, rezoned PUD. I'm like, no, I don't want to go to PUD. You're gonna try to make me do all these expensive things like, you know, upgrade my water to 80 inch main, the crazy stuff like sewer, upgrade my sewer, curbs, gutter, sidewalks, stormwater detention, underground um, storm shelter. You know, it quickly becomes a couple hundred, oh, 30 foot concrete roads built to city standards. I mean, it quickly becomes a half a million dollar you know, project. So you, you, you neuter your grandfather. I'm getting on a tangent here, but you, you, it, your grandfathering only pertains, frankly, until you exacerbate your grandfather's use. So you cannot expand the use. Like you can't expand the number of lots. You can't expand the, the, to another parcel. And you, that's a, otherwise you're a redevelopment, which is basically like a new development. And if you do a redevelopment, you don't have grandfathering. you got to follow the current code. So you want to make sure you protect your existing lots and you protect the setbacks subject to fire code, but you don't want to flat out redevelop uh, or you know, without knowing what you're doing. And, and typically, that means you lose your grandfather status. It's a problem. So ultimately, my point here on the rezoning is the city sometimes wants you to do this PUD zoning, and they could be a gotcha moment where they're trying to get you to waive your grandfather status voluntarily. And it could be just a, a way for them to strong arm you into accepting stipulations and development restrictions that are more onerous than you would normally see in your grandfather's status. So uh, that's the first episode here. Uh, I'm going to jump on to another one here shortly. So stay tuned. But today we're going to cover the key items for what the heck is a rezone, a variance, and a CUP. Till next time, take care. God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.